Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before I begin on the stories, I just wanted to mention, if you have your own personal scary story that you would like to send me for me to possibly narrate here on the channel, you can do so by sending it to southerncannibal.com. So if you have a personal true scary story that you'd like to share, please consider sending it my way. Now that all that's out of the way, let's begin. My name is Heaven. I'm a female. This happened when I was about 10 years old. I'm 17 now. Me and two of my siblings live with my dad in an apartment building. Names in this story have been altered. You need to have a good understanding of how the building is in order for this to make sense. So here's how it looks. The building from the front it had three doors and a semicircle wraparound porch. The door on the left was being lived in by the landlord slash owner, Dave. The door in the middle led to the stairs that took you to two other apartments. Now, the door on the right was my apartment. In the apartment, there were two bedrooms. One big one right next to the front door and the other one on the left side when you first walk in. The big one was my dad's and the one on the left was mine and my two siblings. It was smaller, but we made it work. The back of the apartment wasn't much, but it had an alley behind it. One of the days my dad worked, we had a snow day off of school. He worked third shift, 5 p.m. to 1 a.m., and it was around 5.30 p.m., and I had a friend over. My sister, let's call her Vicky, was friends with my friend's younger sister, so she was also over. All of us had our coats and boots on, ready to go outside, when my friend Kathy and her sister Ruth came up to me to tell me that someone was knocking on the door. My brother Bubby, who was only five at the time, went to open the door. I stopped him and pulled him to the side, and I told him to only let me open the door when Dad isn't home. So I opened the door and I recognized the person at the door as my next door neighbor. It was an older, bigger Hispanic lady who lived alone with her dog. She would walk me and my siblings to school every now and again. So I asked her what she needed. Hello, Miss Jolly. What can I help you with? Were my exact words. Her name is the only one that'll be real due to circumstances. After I had asked her, she gave me this worried look. She had told me that her dog ran off and she wanted to ask me and my siblings if we could try and help find it. Me being young said yes and I told everyone in my apartment what we were going to do. We walked down an alley, all five of us kids and Miss Jolly. We had followed dog prints that we saw but after about two minutes, I noticed that something was off. There were obviously other footprints there besides the dog. 
I ran for everyone to get back to the apartment because I started getting a strong feeling we were in danger. When we got back up to the apartment, the door was kicked down. Not sure why since it was unlocked. But I walked in and I told all the other kids to go into our room and hide in the closet. The closet in this room was big and it led to an even deeper closet in the back. That's where the four kids went and hid. I saw that my dad's 40-inch flat-screen TV was missing, and the table in the small dining room was flipped over. I then saw a tall, lanky man hauling the TV out of the back door. As I ran after him, with adrenaline filling my veins, Miss Jolly came through the front door entryway. She was chasing after me, yelling, The kids are back! Get the hell out of here! As I got into the dining room, I hid behind the flip table as she ran out the door with the guy. That's when I then heard a familiar voice yelling for the man to hurry up. I ran outside with them to see the man stuffing the TV in the bed of a truck that my mother was driving. My mother was, and still is to this day, a drug addict. She's tried to sell me, kill me, get me high with her, and also tried to kill me multiple different times. She scares me to this day, and even thinking about her makes me want to break down and hide. But as my mother was getting ready to drive off, the man pulled out a gun and shot Miss Jolly. I watched as she hit the ground, and the surrounding snow turned a reddish-pink color. She tried to get up and crawl after the man, but to no avail. The man shot her a second time. I just stand there and watch as she dies, and my mother looks at me, and yells for the man to shoot me as well. Before anything else can happen, Dave the landlord comes out of my apartment and shoots the side of the truck. The man then runs and gets in as my mother drives off. Dave picks me up, and all I remember next is just staring at Miss Jolly's body in the snow. The police had asked me questions, and my dad came home early. We moved shortly after, but that wasn't the first or the last horrific thing to happen to me or my family. My mother was never caught and still hasn't been to this day. I still look over my shoulder whenever I go outside, afraid that same man or my mother will find me. I need to set the context in order to fully convey the darkness. When I was a little girl, my parents used to leave me with my aunt a lot, since my regular babysitter was unavailable during the weekends. I loved my aunt, and my childhood best friend lived right down the street. But this was one of the worst neighborhoods in town at the time. Before I was 12, I had seen a kid get knifed on the street, watched an elderly lady get run over by a car so hard that she rolled into the windshield, before then falling back into the street and I listened to the guy next door nearly beat a significant other to death. Ladies of the night would stroll the sidewalk after the sun went down, and several of the homes were, I now know in hindsight, crack houses. There was at least one gang operating in the area, though they mostly left you alone, so long as you didn't give them a reason. But all this was mostly at night. During the day, the neighborhood could pass for a sitcom setting, especially on Sundays when the church was holding service. All this is to say, you are perfectly safe during the day. 
Once it started getting dark, though, it was time to head inside and hit every lock on every door and window you had. My friend, whom I'll refer to as Sarah and I, found this out the hard way. Sarah and I spent quite a lot of my time there playing in the street and making chalk drawings in the empty blacktop lot beside her house and the rest of it hanging out in my aunt's house or on the front porches. As we got older and bolder, we started exploring more of the neighborhood. Technically, we weren't allowed to leave the street, but that being in the 90s, my aunt and Sarah's grandmother would just let us run around with the stipulation that we would get to one of their houses by dusk. We took full advantage of this, and nothing ever really happened to us. With one exception, one summer day when we were eight, Sarah and I were bored with our usual games and trying to think of something to do. Then, she remembered that one of our grandmother's friends from the next street over was having a barbecue that day, and this particular friend had a standing invitation for Sarah to come over whenever he had one. I was a little unsure since I was a shy child, but she reassured me that he was nice, and he made the best barbecue she'd ever tasted. This guy had really fancied himself as a pitmaster before it went mainstream, and he smoked, grilled, and slung sauce with all the skill of a professional. This convinced me, because one kid doesn't like delicious, messy meals. So we set off at around noon. After climbing a chain-link fence, Sarah led me down this long, dirty alley, just wide enough for small cars to get through, and we walked a good distance, before hopping a second chain-link fence into this guy's backyard. He was really warm and friendly. Thing Cajun Grandpa. Telling jokes and stories while slathering his homemade barbecue sauce all over burgers, chicken, ribs, and steaks. His wife was equally welcoming, though she joked that we needed to help her snap green beans to pay for our meals, which we happily did. The rest of the people were as nice as could be, and we had a blast, especially after they brought out the frisbees and Velcro mitts and balls. As it started to get dark, the homeowners told us that it was probably best we head home and thanked us for coming. The wife even gave us some cookies and a big Ziploc bag for the road. So we climbed the fence again and started back down the alley. As the noise and light of the backyard barbecue faded, I started to get a weird prickle on the back of my neck. Once you spend enough time in a bad neighborhood, you develop a sense for when you're being watched. Sarah and I both looked at each other, then stopped and glanced around. At first, we saw nothing. Then we noticed half of a face and one beady eye peeking at us from behind a shed, just a house or two down from the party. Now at this point, I should describe what we looked like for clarity. Sarah and I were both pretty girls. She had this nice milk chocolate shade to her skin and lovely light-colored hazel brown eyes, and I had princess gold hair with bright blue eyes. We often received compliments when we were playing on the street, including a few that definitely shouldn't have been named to young girls, but people mostly left us alone. Even when we were watched, it never really felt wrong. This time, though, I felt my skin crawl with an invisible stampede of bugs as soon as I spotted the lurker. We stared at him. I mean, I can only assume it was a him 
since that's what it felt like. Then in unison, turned and continued down the alley, a bit quicker this time. We didn't want to run because it felt like that was a bad idea. We passed a few houses, then I glanced back. This time the stranger was openly following us. He was wearing a black hoodie with the hood drawn right around his head and raggedy jeans that had a big strip of denim flapping next to his knee with every step that he took. His hands were jammed into the front pocket, and with the light behind him, we couldn't see his face. It was just a dark brown oval in the black hood. I could hear the sharp thud of his white sneakers beating on the asphalt like a drum. Sarah and I walked faster. The sneaker sped up. We broke into a trot. The sneakers ran. We took off, racing as fast as we could down the alleyway. I can still remember the cookie bag thumping into my side as we ran. A reminder of the warmth and joy before this private nightmare began. Sarah looked back and yelped to go faster. He was gaining on us. I glanced back, and to my horror, he had taken his hands out of his front pocket to reveal a knife. Whatever he planned to do with it, I can only guess. I just put my head down and concentrated on me running so fast that my legs felt like they were coming off. We had finally reached the yard that we had cut through to reach the alley and went over the chain link faster than I had ever dreamed I could scale a fence. We heard the guy skid and curse as he lost his balance and crashed into a garbage can, but we didn't look back. We ran to her grandmother's house and slammed the door behind us locking it shut and hurrying upstairs into Sarah's bedroom. You were able to see the alley from her window and we were so scared that we wanted to make sure the guy hadn't followed us. In the distant streetlight, we spotted him jogging out of the yard and looking up and down the street. Sarah hadn't turned on her bedroom light and we kept low, just peeking over the windowsill so he wouldn't look up and see us. The stranger started heading our direction, and we dug down, staring at each other. I can still remember Sarah's wide eyes shining in the dark with terror. After a few minutes, we poked our heads back up to check on him. Nothing. At that moment, the phone in the kitchen started to ring, scaring the heck out of us. Sarah's grandmother answered it, and after a minute... She then called up to us that my aunt said it was time for me to go back to her house. Like hell, I was going back out there, but Sarah answered before I could. Is it okay if she spends the night? I could have hugged her. It took a few seconds of nail-biting, but at last the go-ahead came up the stairs. I'm thankful to this day that nothing else happened that night, but that was the least fun, most stressful sleepover I've ever had. Sarah and I spent the entire night huddled in her room, too scared to even think of sleeping. But nothing ever came of it, until the day both of them died. Neither my aunt, my parents, or Sarah's aunt ever realized what almost happened to us. We never told a soul. Until now. So, I'm a 20-year-old disabled female. But the story takes place when I was around 8 or 9 years old. Growing up, I started to go to church with a friend of mine. After a few weeks, 
I found out that I really loved the sense of community that I got in youth group. Despite not being religious myself, and was raised agnostic slash atheist. One week, my friend went on a trip with her family and wouldn't be coming that Sunday. So I asked my mom to drop me off, but I accidentally told her the wrong time and showed up to the church an hour late. Not knowing this at the time, I hopped out of the car and my mom told me she'd be back to pick me up in an hour. I excitedly hurried in just to find a few lingering adults talking that it let me know I had missed the youth group. I thanked them, sat across the room, and tried to call my mom, whose phone had either been off or dead, as it went directly to voicemail. I figured I'd be fine for the hour because I had my phone to play games on while I waited. After about 20 or so minutes, another woman walks in. She's twitching and talking to herself, so I figured she had mental health problems, a drug addiction, or both. Either way, I was a bit on guard, but I assumed she wasn't a threat. She sat down directly next to me, so being friendly, I smiled, said hello, and went back to my game. As she sat, she kept fiddling with her pockets and talking to herself. I began to try and listen to what she sang without being obvious. When she says, I saw a beautiful little boy on the train. I wanted to take him, but his mother wouldn't let me. Why wouldn't she let me take that boy? I wanted him. Needless to say, this freaked me the fuck out. I should have gone over to the adults as soon as I heard this, but I didn't know if she had any ill intentions at that point, and I didn't want to set her off. As it turns out, she had shown enough red flags for the adults to have called the police, and one of the men a youth group leader called me over to wait with them. The police arrived and they asked all questions separately, but were really putting an emphasis on questions like, are you related to this woman? Or is she your mother? I learned later on that this was because she had tried to convince the cops that I was her daughter. My mom pulled up a few minutes later and the police asked her questions and then filled her in on the situation, eventually letting us go home. I was so freaked out that I became completely detached from the situation and wouldn't speak for hours. But it wasn't until a few years later that I had realized just how dangerous of a situation that really could have been. To this day, I haven't gone back and I haven't heard anything else about what had happened, but I really hope to never see her again and that she didn't ever try to claim any other children up to be hers or succeed in taking them. I also want to add that I was always raised to be very cautious around strangers, but I also wanted to assume the best in everyone. My mom had gone through some very horrible experiences growing up and made sure I and all of my siblings knew of all the stranger danger information and to always keep our guard up around people we didn't know. But again, I was a young child and I really wanted to give this woman that was very clearly struggling with something the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully I don't make that same mistake again.